with respect to your second question what was running in my mind you know so this is like so much of emotion going through and kind of see that i was thinking about the power of entrepreneurship you know the power of entrepreneurship that too especially in saas you know where things compound over the years when we started girish and shan you know uh, who had come from very humble background not so obvious colleges and degrees for all practical purposes i don't think most of the people would wouldn't have backed girish or shan and blessed because of uh, they were at uh, zoho a little bit so that helped them Uh, otherwise they would have been ignored hi wherever you're listening to me i hope you're staying safe and doing well welcome to forbes india's the daily tech conversation i'm hariyarakli and today i bring you the next episode in my best of 2021 series in today's episode i go back to a conversation with shekhar kirani at axel who led the vc firm's investment in freshworks making it the first institutional investor in the SaaS startup more than 10 years ago shekhar kirani couldn't have imagined that a little chennai outfit called freshdesk started by a couple of non-descript engineers would go on to deliver axel's first us ipo from its indian portfolio and an indian founder led software products company at that in this conversation from september 2021 shekhar talks about standing on the floor of nasdaq stock exchange as freshworks went public thinking about the power of entrepreneurship and what makes for great founders and vc investors shekhar uh, welcome to this podcast thank you so much for making time for this um you've just returned uh, from participating in uh, freshworks ipo on the nasdaq um must have been pretty exciting for those folks uh, give us a sense of the atmosphere at the listing and uh, maybe if you remember tell us what was running through your mind when you were on the floor over there yeah it's a, an extraordinary experience i would say ari the atmosphere was with a high energy exciting a lot of exuberance and uh, kind of a sense of uh, belonging for everybody who had come together uh, to make this uh, event you know the the best thing i heard from the the head of nasdaq is that in his 17 years of experience he had never seen so much of excitement and fun about the ipo and he was uh, you know uh, it was his first from an india company listing in nasdaq and was uh, quite uh, copious in terms of his praise for how all things were going with respect to a second question what was running in my mind you know so this is like so much of emotion going through and kind of see that i was thinking about the power of entrepreneurship you know the power of entrepreneurship that too especially in saas you know where things compound over the years when we started girish and shan you know uh, who had come from very humble background not so obvious colleges and degrees for all practical purposes i don't think most of the people would wouldn't have backed girish or shan and less because of uh, they were at uh, zoho a little bit so that helped them uh, otherwise they would have been ignored but uh, with a phenomenal skills background and the right uh, ideal experience 
to take on kind of a fresh works product. So I was looking at it in the 11 years of journey, what was transformed from an humble beginning to this uh, extraordinary world's first listing from India of a product company. And for me, I was thinking through now, what an example this would set to any entrepreneur anywhere in the world who are dreaming big and uh, you know exploring the possibility of accomplishing something big. For me, that was running through my mind, you know, while uh, we were celebrating, and I was kind of uh, remembering the days of when that with them of six employees to now four thousand plus employees, almost you know sub fifty customers to now fifty thousand plus customers, uh, you know, across the globe. Yeah, because uh, uh, behind the scenes a bit. Uh, over the say maybe twelve to ten months leading up to the uh, IPO, uh, you are widely known as someone who's been a constant sounding board for Girish. Uh, give us a sense of uh, some of the important points you all discussed leading up to the IPO. Uh, were there any doubts and questions that needed to be addressed? Yeah, excellent question. You know, um, for any founders, I would say the ultimate ultimate test of entrepreneurship is taking the company public because the public listing is not an easy uh, event or like an event of private fundraising that companies do today. The public listing is a, a material, significant milestone for the founders and the company and all the stakeholders. So when we look at what takes a company, especially a software subscription-based, SaaS-based company to go list in the U.S. market, you know, you need to have a sizable base of revenues, first of all, which Freshworks was in, in the process of going there. But more importantly, you, know, you need a large market because once you go list, you need to see at least a, an ability to grow in a, at a pace for the next five to 10 years and continue to expand the TAM and new products and continue to build this uh, leadership position that you would have started when you were going to go public. So large TAM was an important thing. The second one is a much harder skill company has to develop, what I call as ability to predict consistently, you know, your revenues, your growth, your number of customers, and actually meet or exceed them. And this second one requires a rigor uh, in the company's processes, tools, and the machinery that gets the company to be able to say where they would be and consistently repeat it. That is the machinery and the muscle that the company has to build. And the third one is, which is reasonably people know it, but until you do it, you, know, you don't know the complexity, and the needs of it is in best-in-class compliance. You know, if that is in across all aspects of the company. How do you get the compliance to the level that the company's IP, the assets, employee base, and customers' data is all protected and is everything works as per the expected uh, public company norms? So these three were very essential. And you need to do all of these things while 
building your products while you're growing, while making sure customers are happy, employees are happy and everything else. So it is a push on the leadership team. So in the last 18 months or so, the conversation has been, you know, are you ready and do you want to get ready? And if so, let's go through the, the motion required to be able to go and do this one day. And that has led to, you know, recruiting the leadership team, which has been there and done IPOs before. And that experience uh, has been significantly helped uh, Freshworks. And secondly, building a world-class board, which has been uh, there on many other public companies and have seen the scale and have has become a fantastic sounding board for uh, Freshworks. So today, Girish and team are surrounded by an extraordinary talent to help him, uh, you know, not only get to this milestone of IPO, but actually execute in their uh, commitment that they have made to the public market. Mm. Uh, during the uh, roadshow, uh, what came across to you as some of the reasons that investors are strongly invest- interested in uh, in Freshworks, which uh, you know now is reflected in the really successful IPO, and uh, what are some of the top questions that they were asking? Yeah, it's a great question. So you know, the Freshworks is coming across like a you know a multi-product, multi-region, multi-customer segment company. So what I mean by that is they serve small, medium, and large customers. They serve uh, they have customers across the globe, you know, uh, I think around 130 plus countries, I, I, I would say, and uh, maybe more. And they also have multi-products, you know, they have a CRM product, they have a help desk product, and they have a IT service management product. They also have launched an internal, uh, you know, HR product for people to manage their teams. And this, all this combination sitting on one platform and be able to get into customers uh, with uh, across the globe. So that was the kind of the attraction for a lot of these uh, public market investors. And obviously it's a, such a horizontal product, which means time is very good. And secondly, uh, the product is well constructed. So people wanted to know what are the key differentiators on why customers would buy Freshworks product. There was a quite a lot of questions around that and Girish was able to articulate why their products win uh, compared to kind of competing other products because of ease of use, you know, delight in, you know, in terms of using the product as well as going live is, you know, extremely uh, easy, doesn't take a long time. Customization can be done by self. And so many of the product uh, decisions that are made makes it easy to absorb and easy to use. And that uh, was what people uh, uh, loved it. And lastly, the obviously, you know, every public market investor wants to know the metrics, the business metrics, you know, the growth rate, the, you know, how big the growth rate can continue to happen. Uh, the churn, you know, and expansion, a number of customers, ARPU, which are all kind of key business SaaS metrics, which are all in the kind of the top quadrant uh, for Freshworks. So all these three help them uh, to be strong interest in, uh, you know, Freshworks. And most of them are digging 
on these areas with the deeper questions. Mm. Uh, you know, um, as part of Axel, of course, you would have seen many uh, large global deals and transactions, uh, maybe even much bigger IPOs and so on. But for you personally, uh, was there anything special about uh, Freshworks' IPO? And was this the first IPO from within the portfolio of companies that you have uh, championed? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, as Axel, over the last 35 years, we have seen a significant number of IPOs. And, you know, when we started our office in London and office in Bangalore, we have been looking for the best entrepreneurs coming from anywhere in the world to be able to build these uh, publicly listable companies. So in, in 2015, we backed Atlassian, you know, which got listed in uh, US uh, stock market, right? This is originally from Australia. So, you know, we were the investors in them. Now it's a massive company. Then if you look at uh, recently, we've done several, but recently the most recent example is UiPath from Europe which got listed in uh, April this year and has done really well on the public market, big ones. So we didn't have any representation from India or Asia in our uh, public markets. So for me, this was a, for an Axel perspective, you know, having a company from India list uh, in the US uh, as the first product company was an amazing story. From our Axel in India perspective as well, this is the very first IPO for us uh, in our portfolio. You know, we have done uh, several investments, you know, more than 150. And among them, this was in our fund three, which is very early days of 2011 when we invested in uh, Freshworks. Over the last 10 years, several companies have scaled. And uh, this is a story of one company going public. and very excited about it. Yeah. I'm going to come back to Atlassian and UiPath a little down the line uh, and Axel. Um, but on Freshworks' as IPO, uh, you're in a position to give us the uh, big picture significance of this IPO. So if you step back and look at it, look at this IPO, how should we see the big picture significance of this IPO? Yeah, you know, so the significance is, uh, I would say, it's an extraordinarily significant today for a company from India be able to list in the US. I'm also happy that it happened with Freshworks and Girish because if you go across the ecosystem and ask about Girish, you know, you will not hear any negativity about him. He has been a very humble entrepreneur down to earth, you know, very clear in his priority about ensuring his employees are happy, his customers are happy, and obviously his investors are happy. And he's also one of those with a significant pay forward thinking. So he has been, he knew he is early. And, uh, you know, we have been working with him in the, as, as kind of the a leading torch bearer for SaaS companies in India. So he could have continued as it is, but he has taken time to spend uh, with a lot of other entrepreneurs in sharing knowledge, sharing insights, sharing how whatever he has learned, how it works, how it scales. And in fact, even opening up some of his data room itself in terms of what techniques work so that others can catch up. Because he saw this 
uh, in the valley where there is a lot of sharing and everybody helping each other. And he knew that for us to build a nation of product companies, uh, we need to share with each other. And I'm happy that this has been the very first uh, IPO from India. He set a tone and example for the rest of the SaaS companies from India who may consider listing in India or listing in the US. Let's talk a bit more about uh, Girish, the entrepreneur and uh, the person. Maybe a good time to ask you to uh, recall the first time you met Girish. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, your impressions. Yeah, you know, uh, Girish, uh, you know, I met him in his office in Chennai. It's a small office. It was his first office uh, before he had raised any money. I think it is to be a warehouse converted into kind of office. Uh, small two rooms, three rooms, I guess. Um, you know, in my very first meeting, I spent, I think, a whole day there. You know, there was, uh, uh, I flew in the morning. I, I, I know I work out of Bangalore and then, uh, came back in the evening. I spent the whole day with the team trying to interact, understand, met his, uh, I think, uh, two co-founders plus four employee base. Uh, they showed me the demo of the product and everything else. To summarize what I learned at the end of that uh, day is that he is, a, first of all, a great storyteller. So he was very impressive in, you know, translating why he started this company, the pain points he observed, and so on. So that great storytelling where he brings the context of the customer to the decision he's making is amazing. And secondly, even though it was only, I think, three or four months of work on the product, a very small amount, you know, they didn't have a lot of paying customers or maybe very few paying customers. Uh, you could see the product shine. It was really awesome in terms of it's very polished. Whatever they had done, it was not haphazard at all. It was very clean. <coughs> UI was very clean. Uh, copy was very clean. And he had a reasoning of how the product works and why it works the way they have designed it. And, and lastly, you know, his, uh, you know, ability to make decisions. His decisions, you know, you asked ask him, why did you hire this particular person for customer support? So it was very methodical. And, uh, you know, he had this uh, way of uh, hiring people and way of reasoning why he's bringing this person specifically, the first customer service person uh, at Fresh, it was called his Fresh Desk at that time, the company. You know, he said like, you know, hey, this guy cares more about customers than anybody I have seen in my life. So I wanted my first customer support person to be someone who cares about customers. So, uh, you know, he had reason and, you know, all the reasoning had an equal amounts of what I call his heart and equal amount of rationality. So very unique personality. And uh, at least in, in, in the same meeting, I had decided to invest and uh, we closed the investment. So. Mm. Uh, must have been uh, a bit over 10, 10 years now since you gave him that first $1 million. Uh, yeah, 2011, I think May, April or May, we met and uh, we decided to invest. I think the investment happened in a quarter later. Yeah, actual after the documentation and so on. Mm. So uh, over the years, since that first meeting that you've come to know him very well, uh, what are some of the uh, important changes that you have seen in him? as an entrepreneur as well as as a person you know so and he had a lot of uh, core 
foundational characteristics that you want to see in an entrepreneur before we even we invested because he had seen uh had built a, a decent scale product inside zoho with a lot of experimentation so he wasn't afraid of experimenting at home ability to experiment was high so he knew about picking up the market he would always say it's a small market versus big market and secondly go to market also he knew how to influence the market in his favor he wouldn't pick any category that is hard to penetrate so he would always pick products or categories that he would say hey this category is easier for me i know how to reach the customers i know how to spend on google or seo or on right content so that i attract these customers to my doorstep so that they can evaluate my product and buy the second one i would say is ability to spot talent it was there but i had never seen him execute but now over the last 10 years you know his leadership team has changed i think three or four times so he is able to spot talent really well and get the best out of them until you know they run out of steam or they say you know i i you need a next level person so he brings another leader and so on so sp- spotting talent and getting the best out of them you know he's extraordinarily good and 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 thirdly you know he cares so much about employees and it was a very early i realized that you know he wanted a culture of engaged and happy employees and he knew that without that the rest doesn't come through so if you hear his own prioritization he says first and foremost is employees if employees are happy then they will make sure customers are happy and if customers are happy then investors are happy and then that's a sequence he has been prioritized uh, his work at freshworks and i think it is paid off uh, uh, so far hmm. um uh, now that uh, freshworks has gone public uh, in the us uh, what do you see as the next big priorities for girish so the next priorities uh, you know are uh, whatever the expectations has been set and is uh, listing you know he has to execute on those and uh, he is constantly aware of the responsibility he has taken that uh, you know he wants to build a massive company he wants to keep up the growth rate and he wants to build more products and bring it to the market and make sure that all products all come together and delight customers so uh, it's now uh, you know executing the vision the company is established because the market size is really large in 120 billion dollars the company is in a 300 million plus uh, revenues so this is a you know a long journey a massive uh, market potential so it's up for him to execute and capture a leadership position in the in, in the market mm. what is the uh, thinking i mean can you talk about this what is the thinking on whether axel will uh, exit uh, freshworks or partially exit give us a sense of uh, also the kind of uh, returns axel and its lps uh, stand to make in return for your faith in girish and freshworks over the last 10 years yeah so this is a, a material company for uh, investment from axel perspective uh, you know we haven't uh, returned the our investment in freshworks you know the shares to our lps we are working out when and how to return those uh, uh, shares to our lps our investors 
but uh, having said that uh, you know this is a an extraordinarily uh, great outcome uh, for our investors and as axel uh, this is what people call in vc industry a multi bagger so this uh, investment uh, is going to return several excess of uh, of the fund size that we had at uh, axel uh, so you know only the final numbers will come out when we all uh, distribute the shares so until then uh, you know uh, it's just hard to predict because you know when you distribute it's the public market valuation at that on that day and how much we distribute and we may not even distribute all of it at once so we're working out the details of what is the exact way and how we should distribute this and when we should distribute this mm. couple more questions uh, in the context of uh, uh, how you said earlier that uh, now there is a company that uh, represents uh, your indian portfolio with an ipo in the us of course as you know there's a lot of excitement within the indian uh, software ecosystem today because of uh, freshworks's ipo so i mean while it is developing and definitely growing rapidly and maturing uh it just occurred to me that you know the entire indian saas ecosystem today uh, i mean based on this estimate uh, by zino and others uh is uh, less than one quarterly uh, revenue number from salesforce alone uh so what are some of the reasons that uh, you know gives you and others in the industry you know the optimism that there'll be indian cloud software companies that could one day rival companies like salesforce yeah so you know you have to look at the 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 age of the companies right you know as time happens then the different category of companies will come i think uh, if you talk about salesforce salesforce was a 2000 sorry a, a late 90 90s company when it started and uh, you know they had a lot of time under their belt and also a pioneer as a first saas company and crm which is a very large market so when you compare that to kind of indian ecosystem which is only less than 10 years old freshworks is one of the first few and if you look at most of the saas companies are vintage over you know the last 5 years or so uh, so it's still early in the ecosystem but having said that what one should look at is the growth rate how fast our companies are growing and if they keep up the growth rate the power of compounding is so high you know if you start with zero revenues and now if you look at freshworks itself after 10 years you know it is a listed ipo and you look at many of our other companies they're all growing at least 2x uh, you know year on year you know in my own portfolio i have charge b which is growing 2x zenoti growing 2x then uh, you know and uh, we just had another one called falcon x which has grown i don't know 500x or 1000x already <laughs> from zero in 3 years so if you look at the software companies coming out of india and many of our younger companies are growing faster uh, in the first uh, few years than what fresh was doing so the momentum and the direction is all in favor of indian saas companies and it's just a matter of time and they all will look different if you look back next 10 15 years if you look at similarly the it services companies in india 30 years back we pro in four systems were puny right like uh, tiny ones and when you compare to ibms of the world 
But look at it right now. They are as big and as better as anything else. Now, they're, they're all equal players on a global arena. So I expect one day our SaaS companies coming out of India would be a global, uh, they'll be one among many global giants. And it's just a matter of time. Yeah, of course, uh, I agree. Uh, there are many historical reasons as well uh, because of the way things are uh, developing uh, and have developed uh, over the years in in India versus uh, the advanced economies. Uh, so in that context, what are some of the areas where India's uh, SaaS ecosystem still has some ways to go uh, compared with maybe Silicon Valley cloud software companies? And the biggest challenge I would say for companies coming out of India is uh, still lack of uh, trained talent. See, if you want in the valley, if you want to hire head of sales who will help you move from, say, 50 million to 150 million or 200 million ARR, or a marketing head to help you market all the way up to 500 million ARR, there are enough supply, if not in the valley, in the US. But whereas in India, only select few companies have this kind of skill set. And not having that skill set is the biggest challenge for us. And as long as we help each other and learn from each other and learn from global leaders who are willing to park their knowledge and their execution uh, skills to our folks in India, we'll be left behind. So that is one of the biggest challenge, I would say. But the rest was, you know, access to entrepreneurship, founders already there, access to great ideas. Yes. Many of our ideas are world-class. Access to capital, that has been solved in the last 10 years. In the early days of Freshworks, not a lot of people were excited about this SaaS as a category. But right now, that's a category every investor is investing in India. So, you know, all things are shaped in terms of access to capital, access to entrepreneurs, and access to ideas. It's about only skills and talent is the area we need to solve. Couple of questions about uh, Axel and your work uh, itself. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned Atlassian and UiPath earlier on, uh, and I said I'll come back to those uh, names. I mean, it's just that I can't help you know think about how uh, there are companies uh, that don't seem to have many other VC backers, and and that seems to be by design. But Axel somehow spotted them uh, relatively early, and in some cases very early, and invested in them. I mean, Atlassian is a Great example, I guess, and definitely Freshworks. Uh, browser Stack, another name that comes to my mind. I know about the Series A that happened uh, uh, very recently and at a time when Browser Stack was already doing very well. So what's the secret sauce here? So, um, yeah. So, you know, we have a, uh, a process called, uh, you know, prepared thesis. So when we... Uh, look at a category, look at an idea. We spend quite a lot of time thinking about what kind of companies would succeed in this kind of environment and this kind of category. So when I joined Axel, I took the responsibility to go deep on software as a service, SaaS. So I spent a lot of time benchmarking global companies, speaking with a lot of people in the Valley, and I was part of two startups. Both were in the mobile, both were in the subscription business. I knew enough about them. So we knew exactly what we were looking for. And we started evaluating uh, companies in that category. 
So if you look at Freshworks and Charge B, they're all the same vintage. Then we did MindTickle, which is also a unicorn right now. Then CleverTap. They're all coming out of the same category, same year, approximately, you know, 12 to 18 months. This all came out of this thesis we had built saying that what kind of companies from India that would win in a global market. And then we continue to hone that uh, thesis from a horizontal SaaS to vertical SaaS where we did uh, Zenoti, uh, we did uh, CareStack and several of the other companies that have scaled well. And then developer tools is another category that came up. That's where we have done uh, Hashnode, Browser Stack, and recently we did a, a low-code platform called AppSmith and, uh, and so on. So many of these ideas are coming out of a, a, a deeper thinking within Axel of what kind of companies that do regional specific in the sense that what is an advantage for those companies coming out of India and be able to kind of spot and work with these companies to help them scale. Mm. Uh, a few questions, uh, and, uh, and I want to ask these questions because I'm pretty sure our listeners would be interested, uh, very interested, in fact, uh, about uh, your own uh, career and you know and work. Uh, you spent many years uh, steeped in products at uh, Lightsurf and then Verisign after Verisign acquired the Lightsurf. Uh, did that help you to help your portfolio companies as a sounding board? Uh, amazing. Yeah, amazing help. See, now, if you look at one of the culture code within Axel, most of us have come from some sort of an operating background. You know, uh, all of us have uh, built companies and scaled companies. In the case of both Starfish and Lightsurf, I pretty much did all the roles except of a CEO role and uh, knew the challenges of you know, recruiting a talent, how do I spot a good talent? How do I get engineering right? How do we get product right? How do we get marketing right and sales right? And how do we go to market and get customers to get excited about our products, positioning? Many of these things uh, which have been honed. So when I kind of work with these companies, at least I cannot uh, push them in all aspects, but in bite-sized information, we need to exchange ideas and so that they kind of really absorb and build their own thinking around what's the latest in doing those things and becoming a really strong sounding board. Because as an investor, you know, we are still always a, you know, a passenger. You know, we are sitting on the bus. We are not the drivers, right? And uh, the driver is the CEO and they have to make the choices. But it's our job to give uh, options on the table, help them understand all the choices on the table. And if the choices they're making is uh, going to lead to a potential challenge in the future. It's our job to kind of un- let them know, or if not us, find a, a great advisors who can help them understand so that they can make the eventual decision is theirs, but it's our job to help them understand all the options on the table so that they make less mistakes. And, uh, and if they make less mistakes, more likely they would win. Yeah. Like you said, you you were a, a, a very successful technologist uh, at uh, high tech companies. Uh, what made you turn to venture capital? Was it a natural progression to help others benefit from your experience, potentially create larger impact than as the top executive in one company, or was there some kind of an aha moment as well? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I was part of two teams. Both exited very well. Both were successful. Uh, both in the valley. 
And in the first company, I think we had impacted around 200 plus employees. In the second one, maybe around 350. And each took uh, six plus six, so 12 years. 12 years of my life, I was looking at, you know, I'd learned a lot about it. Is there a profession where I could work with founders and amplify my time and be able to participate in creation of more value and more impact in the ecosystem? And I couldn't think of a, a better career than the, the VC career. So that's the reason, you know, I took up Axel because Axel is a very early stage investor and a lot of empowerment to every investor to choose their own path of what they would like to invest. And uh, Axel has been a great platform for me to be able to work with uh, founders, you know, on a paper idea all the way from founders who have scaled so that uh, I can help them uh, grow big and they get the best out of these founders to think big. And also in the process, you know, a lot of fun of uh, creating these uh, extraordinary companies that serve customers worldwide and make sure customers are happy. And in the process, uh, investors, employees, and everybody's happy. Yeah. What is the one uh, sort of biggest or most important lesson you've learned as a VC that you know, you'd like to share with uh, people aspiring to a career in venture capital and, and also to entrepreneurs looking for great VCs to back them? Yeah, you know, I think many times people forget that we are in a people business. So whether uh, as a VC, it's a very non-scalable uh, uh, life in the sense that you know, you may do in a career as a VC, maybe 25, max 30 investments. But to make those 30 investments, you might meet thousands of custom companies. How do you keep your relationship with thousands of companies in every possible way, help them whatever way possible so that it, they help you find your 30 companies that you want to support them? And, and people wear a hat of investor first versus a hat of creating, helping the entrepreneurs first. And that is, for me, a fundamental difference. So if you're an early stage investor who wants to be in a VC ecosystem, uh, you do need to care about entrepreneurs' mindset. And they might not have come from great schools, great colleges. They might have left a job. Their idea may be very weak, very easy to dismiss them because you know, we are in a position of strength and position of power. But if there is a way to help them, whatever way possible, to get to a next level, I think they will remember that. And that's how you build uh, you know, your impact to the ecosystem. And at least I spend uh, a significant amount of time in SaaS Bumi and in kind of, you know, a lot of roundtables and so on. I know like many, many, something uh, may not happen anything there, but at least I know some of the founders are finding it uh, valuable. Yeah. Uh, Shekhar, we started our conversation with an amazing company out of India that's already achieved a, a fantastic US IPO. Uh, to throw the story forward, uh, maybe we can, it's fitting that we bring it back to uh, India and uh, you're probably among the relatively few people in this uh, startup scene who can give us a, an informed view on what India's tech scene might look like over the next decade. Uh, maybe uh, you can paint this picture for us. 
Yeah, so the opportunity is extraordinarily good. You look at any aspects of our Indian lifestyle today, almost all aspects are being touched by one of our tech companies in the ecosystem. You know, whether you want uh, order food, whether you want to take a cab or a bike rental, whether you want to buy groceries, whether you want to lend, give money for loans or open a bank account for your kids, uh, buy an insurance product, buy a car, buy a used car or sell a used car or buy a, a scooter, finding a job, tech job or any other type of job, everything else is getting digitized. This is I'm talking from a consumer perspective. From a B2B perspective, you know, some of our companies, if you look at it, you know, whether it's in supply chain, shipping, you know, any ship coming to India, going out of India, there's already startups coming there. And if you look at uh, large-scale manufacturing, many startups are coming. B2B marketplaces are like quite a lot of them we ourselves have supported. In every aspect, I would say in the next 10 years, you would see this digitization of this entire ecosystem to a level where the convenience factor for folks who are living in India, whether it's a enterprise companies or consumer companies, it's going to be amazing in terms of how value and convenience will be brought to the tables so that if companies are not thinking that way today, either they will be left behind and this new age startups uh, will take over. So I'm very bullish on the possibility and actually leapfrogging of the, the our companies in India serving the Indian consumers as well as uh, Indian B2B uh, customers and our SaaS companies serving global customers is going to be an amazing journey. Fantastic. Uh, truly insightful uh, conversation as always, uh, uh, Shekhar. Uh, thank you so much for making time for this. Uh, much appreciated. Hari, thanks. Thanks for your time as well. Thank you for taking serious look at these kind of uh, stories and making it uh, happen and uh, spreading the word. Thank you. That was Shekhar Kirani. That's it for this conversation. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.